Welcome to Doing Time with Joe, a show of cautionary true stories about life inside prison. I'm your host and narrator, Joe Baker, and today's show is titled, Church Ain't Church in Here. The story you are about to hear is true. It is either a personal account of mine or was told to me by someone I believe to be telling me the truth. The names of the participants have been changed to protect the guilty. Growing up, I attended church with my grandparents. I loved it. It was a place of peace and happiness. It was God's house. I learned really quick that in prison, some people don't care about what church is about. To them, it's just another place to conduct business. This was about my first couple of days in prison. I had just gotten there, and that night... um, I was invited to church by a relative of mine that was already in prison. And uh, they held church in the gymnasium. And when I showed up, it was packed. I mean, people were everywhere. The bleachers were full. Uh, They had this pastor out front. He was standing in the middle of the basketball court, and he was putting it down. You know what I'm saying? And I heard all this commotion behind me. You know, it was like people talking. And I, I was just not used to that because, you know, when I was growing up, when you go to church, you know, everybody's paying attention to the pastor. It's not all the talking and all that going on. So when I heard everybody talking, I turned around and I looked. And when I turned around and looked, I saw two men up in the back row. They were kissing. And I had never seen anything like that in my life. So when I turned back around, I said, and not to say it out loud, it was just reflex, I guess. I was like, they tripping. You know, and I didn't mean anything by it. You know, it was just that that was a natural thing for me. When I saw it, I was like shocked by that. You know what I mean? I ain't never seen nothing like that before. You know what I'm saying? So the preacher's preaching. The preacher's preaching. Everybody is in the like, no, like normal church setting. Well, it wasn't like a normal church setting. It was like people in the bleachers. Yeah. You know, you might have... One, two, three, four. It might have been six rows up, right? The first two rows, maybe three rows, people paying attention. Beyond that, it's going down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, people doing whatever. You know, they exchanging dope packs. You know, I mean, some people was even smoking. You know what I'm saying? And then further on in the back, like I say, I just glanced around. It ain't like I turned around and I'm trying to see what's going on. I just heard all the commotion. So I want to see what's going on behind me. We are in prison, you know what I mean? So I glanced behind me, and I locked in. That's what I saw. I'm like, man, they tripping. You know what I'm saying? And uh, when I turned back around, I tapped my my kinfolk on the shoulder. You know, he was in a wheelchair. Tapped him on the shoulder. Man, what they got going on up in here? Like that, right? And he pimped his hand like that, telling me, you know, trying to uh, signify to me, like, just chill, you know what I'm saying, that ain't your business, that's basically what he was trying to tell me, so, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm trying to focus on what the pastor's saying, and at the same time, block out what I hear behind me, and what I just seen, you know what I'm saying, my mind playing tricks on me, you know what I'm saying, smell the weed in the air and everything, you know what I mean, this ain't church, man, this ain't no church, I don't know what they got going on up in here, man, you feel me, so anyway, a few minutes later, uh, an officer comes by, you know what I'm saying, and he taps my uh, my kinfolk on the shoulder and tell him, you know, he's got to go somewhere, right? Because he was like what they called the inmate advisor. And what that means is he's the type of person that would represent you if you got a write-up. 
You know what I'm saying? So somebody had been taken to the hole, and they wanted to talk to him about their case. So he was headed over there. So now here I am. I'm stuck up in here by myself. I don't know nobody in here. You know what I'm saying? I ain't been in prison maybe two or three days at the most. And now I'm sitting up in here by myself, and all kind of craziness is going on. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, you know, McKen folks going to come back. He don't show back up. Now I'm getting a little nervous, you know. So anyway, we were getting ready to leave. They, you know, the church had ended. The pastor prayed. You know what I'm saying? And everybody was getting up to leave. So, you know, McKen folk had told me, look, don't be walking in no packs in the middle of no crowds and all this and that. So I automatically... When I got up, I went to the wall, and I stood at the wall with my back to the wall and let the crowd just get out in front of me. You know what I'm saying? And when it got back to the last four or five people, that's when I started to walk out. And as I'm walking out, I'm saying, you know, we're we going down the hallway, and ain't nothing on either side. And then as you go out the door at the end of the hallway, it's like a, it's dark. You know what I'm saying? So I step out. I'm headed back to the unit, the housing unit that I live in. And lo and behold, somebody reached out and grabbed me by my neck. I'm talking about it was so fast, it was like they wrapped their hand around my neck with their knuckles, and I could feel their knuckles in my neck. And at the same time, I feel a pocket knife up on the other side of my neck, right? And I look right down at him, you know, because I was a little taller, but not much taller. I'm looking right down at him, and I recognize his face right off the top. It was one of the dudes that was kissing when I, when I glanced around at the church service. So they didn't heard you. They had to hear it, or he must have read the way, you know what I'm saying, something. But I got problems, man. You feel so you what I'm saying? So after Blue, he just snatched you up. He snatched me up, man. I Look, keep in mind, I have not been in prison but a couple of days, man, for real. You understand what I'm saying? So I, I should have been expecting it, but one, I don't know, you know what I'm saying, why would you be concerned about somebody saying something? You all out in the public eye. But anyway, that's another story. But this dude snatches me up, man, and uh, he got the his butcher in my neck. And I'm looking at it, man, look, it looks as long as a lawnmower blade. You feel what I'm saying? And I could feel it pressing in my neck. You know, now my heart's beating fast, and I can feel, you know how you, you get the beating heart, your, your heart beating fast in the vein? I can feel it in my neck beating, boom, 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 like that, right? But the, he got this butcher pressed into my neck telling me, don't move. And then I'm looking over his shoulder, and I see the other dude that he was kissing, right? About this time, he's trying to talk to me, and I'm trying to watch him. He's telling me the next time that I see anything that he got going on with his boy, I need to keep my mouth shut, right? So he had to have heard what I said, right, or read my lips. I don't know. So I'm looking at him, and then about that time, his boy pulled out the butcher. He got one just as long. Oh, man. So they got a samurai sword in there. Man, they long as a lawnmower blade. <laughs> Ain't no doubt. In the penitentiary. And now keep in mind, they were at the church, sir, so they had to have that on there, right? I'm saying, in my mind, I'm saying, where is the police at? You know what I mean? <laughs> Ain't nobody around. You know what I mean? Ain't nobody, nobody there to stop this, help me or nothing, right? So he telling me, he said, the only reason that I don't kill you is because of your it, dude that was in the wheelchair, that was my uncle-in-law. You feel what I'm saying? He was married to my auntie. He said, that's the only reason I don't kill you. Because you just got here, you don't know. You feel what I'm saying? So I'm looking down at him, man, and I'm like, man, I want to try him. You know what I'm saying? But I know it's over. I, I, yeah. I ain't got no win. Your options ain't looking too I ain't, good. I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't got no win, man. I ain't got no win. So 
I'm leaning back. It's like a fence, you know, a wire fence, right? He got me on. I'm leaning back on the fence. And as I try to scoot back, he's scooting forward. It ain't no way I'm going to get no room between me and him. He know what he's doing, you know what I'm saying? So I'm standing there, man, and he constantly pushing. He said, look here. He said, I'm finna let you go. And he said, you make any moves, any sudden move, me and my boy going to do you in right here. I said, all right, man. And I'm talking about when I said it, it don't sound like it now, but when I said, <laughs> when I said, all right, man, my voice was shaking. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hey, yo, hey, 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 no doubt. It was, hey, man, it was real. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, man, just, just, you know, get through this, right? So, man, he pulled the knife down, and I don't know if it was instinct or stupidity. I kind of moved like I was going to do something. He put it right, but he said, man, I done told you, man. But his facial expression changed. He got serious then. Don't play no games with me. You know what I'm saying? So he took it down, and I just stood there, man. And I feel the sweat running down my arms. For real. I feel it. And this boy, he backing up towards the boy. And then when they get together, it's like they hit the cone and they was gone. And I stood there for a second. I'm trying to breathe, get myself together. And all I'm sitting here thinking is, where is everybody at? It's could, the penitent. Ain't nobody even know. They wouldn't have found me for hours. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this the penitentiary. Ain't nobody out. But I wasn't thinking. I, I just got there. Everybody that left, they were going back to where they live, the housing unit. So everybody's going into a building. I'm the last one that's just the fool that's going to be last. So I'm going back to the unit. When I get back to the unit, man, I'm shaking. I'm shaking. I'm saying to myself, oh, man, here I go. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, what I say to that and, 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 and any other situation that, that goes on in here, I understand that. You know, stuff's going to happen in here, right? But uh, one of the first lessons that I learned in here was, that, you know, mind your own business. Because, uh, you know, whether you agree with somebody else's lifestyle choices or not, you know, it could cost you your life. So, you seen that lawnmower blade. Yeah. Um, how, you know, how common after that fact did you find out that people actually would have something like that and would actually use it. Okay, now, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Back in the day, you know, it was more prevalent. Pretty much everybody had a pocket knife. It's best to have one than not have one because, you know, it was a little bit more wild back then, you know. Pocket knife ain't That's, a, a yeah. regular little pocket knife all the no, time. No, a little pocket, pocket knife, knife can be anything. Yeah, yeah, it could be anything, you know what I'm saying? And and, and, and they, they usually look better than some of the knives that you see, you know what I'm saying, in the stores, man. Yeah, they can make them, man. I'm telling you, they make them, man. They make them, you can have pocket knives in here where you have, it'll fit around your hand, you can stick it in a hole. It's, it's, it's some nice stuff in here when it comes to the artistry of it, but it's dangerous. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was common back then for people to walk around and have pocket knives. I didn't even understand how back then, because you didn't have a lot of metal detectors, but it was a few metal detectors back in the day. Oh, you can walk right through a metal detector and it don't even beat, man. It don't even beep. So you thinking everything's straight in this particular area. No, it ain't. Everybody's strapped. Everybody is strapped. And it wasn't no joke. And you get out of pocket, and you might just get it. You know what I'm saying? So I learned real fast, man, just to, you know, keep my mouth shut. It wasn't that I had a problem with whatever they were doing. It wasn't my business. It was just that in church. Shock factor. Yeah. In we are in church. The pastor is standing out here preaching. And it's like, ain't nobody in the last, you know, the back parts of the of the uh, bleachers paying attention to none of that. It was just another area to conduct business. And, 
you know, it's not as bad as that now, but back then it was. It was bad like that. And you just, it was really no safe place or no place that was sacred in here. It was just like wherever you can do whatever you need to do, that's where you need to do it. You know what I'm saying? And and, and I learned real fast that, uh, you know, the way I see the world and the way other people might see the world is it, different. And everybody in here has to find a way to coexist, agree or disagree, but you got to find a way to coexist because if you step out of line, you know what I'm saying, it's a good chance that, you know, you could lose your life in here. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't take that into account, but uh, the majority of the uh, assaults in here are inmate on inmate. And most of the time, it's about stuff that makes no sense. Uh, I've seen people in here get killed for a t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? A plain white t-shirt. Uh, I've seen people in here get killed for a ramen noodle. You know what I mean? Or get raped uh, for a ramen noodle, rather. And most people... You know, in the free world, that makes no sense. Uh, but that ramen noodle in here is an hour's work. You know what I'm saying? And more than the hour's wages of work, it's respect. If I give you some, give it back. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that's what, you know, makes it so deadly in here, you know, because people in here have a different value system. That's one of the things that I've realized. It's a totally different value system. And they rationalize and make it make sense. And after you've been in here for a few years, it starts to make sense to you. You know what I'm saying? But when you meet somebody that comes in that's new to the prison system, and they see things totally different, you know, for me anyway, I wonder, am I the crazy one or are they crazy? You know what I'm saying? But I've come to understand I'm the crazy one because all of these rules, all of these norms in here, that stuff out there, it doesn't matter to people. It makes no sense to people, but in here it does, you know. But again, you know, back to what I was saying about, you know, in here, you know, just it's best that, you know, you mind your own business and go your way because uh, you could find yourself getting killed in here for something that uh, has absolutely nothing to do with you. Having to uh, live in an environment like that, uh, what type of impact have you seen on, maybe yourself or maybe other people or just, you know, in general, like what type of toll does it take on you having to live so you, like that? So, you, I mean, you're talking like the psychological effects that it has on people after you've been here for yeah, a while? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it makes paranoia, depression, uh, PTSD, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that that is real for people that have been in prison for uh, any length of time because that... The stuff that goes on in here, it will have you going against everything that you know out there in the free world. And you have to do it to survive. And after a while, it's kind of like your brain gets rewired or something. You know what I'm saying? And you will fight about those things because it makes sense to you because your survival is attached to it. But, you know, some of the things, yeah, uh, like I say, paranoia, depression, uh, PTSD, uh, you don't sleep good at night. Um all of those types of things. That's why I think a lot of people, you know, get high in here because it helps them sleep at night. Coping Yeah, I do. I think it helps people make it through the day. Yeah. I don't think most people in here want to get high just for the sake of getting high. You're in an environment that makes no sense. 
it makes no sense. And nobody is bothering to try to help you um, navigate it in a way to where you don't lose that part of you that came in here with you from the streets. It's just what it is. It's no genuine concern, in my opinion, from the people that put this thing together because I guess they feel like they can't afford to. They're here just to make sure you don't leave and that you don't hurt somebody else or yourself or the people that work here. They're not here to care about you. You know what I'm saying? Some people will have concern. You know what I mean? They're human. I get that. But for the most part, the system is not set up to uh, care about you like that. And and that coldness, that coldness is what makes this place so dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody gets touched by it. And now it's like, you know, I'm looking out for me. And if you ain't part of the crew that rides with me, you on the other side. And it, it's not about me doing something to you. It's just that I am on the side that you're on. You know what I mean? Everybody's trying to survive the best way they can, but they're trying to survive in an environment that makes no sense. So there's no buffer to even transition you back to society's norms. I mean, they have classes, and and, and I'm going to say this, I, I give them credit for trying, but no. No, man. There's nothing to transition you back. You, how do you take somebody that's been in here five years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, Put them in a class that lasts three months and get them to transition from the way of thinking that's helped them survive all the years that they've been here to out there without any real hands-on. You know what I'm saying? It's still like I go to class during the day, but after class is over, I go back to the madness. You feel me? So your experience is the madness. Again. Your experience is not what you're trying to get transitioned to. Right. I'm reading that in a book, but my experiences are the madness. You know what I'm saying? And I have to deal with that every day, all day. You know what I mean? And uh, it wears on you. Yeah, it wears on you. So, you know, I didn't, you know, I come to understand, I, I don't approve, but I come to understand, you know, people just try, trying to find a space where they feel like they can, you know, do whatever they need to do. Uh, they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to have some sense of what makes sense to them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I guess companionship, normalcy, whatever the case may be. I don't agree with uh, the way they go about it because I don't think that, you know, you should be doing that publicly. I don't most definitely don't think you should be doing stuff like that in church. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm, I, I've come to a point to where I don't want to be critical of them. I don't want to judge them or anybody because, you know, the madness of this place, man, will make you do things that you would never imagine that you would do. You know what I mean?